0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the
0: Extra Time Podcast.
1: We're asking you to tell us your thoughts on the greatest ever Premier League signings. and I think This was debated last night on uh, Monday
0: Night Football. Uh, uh, yes, it was. Jimmy Carragher, Gary Neville, who have... really have chiselled out wonderful media careers, hugely respected over there in the UK and beyond of course Jamie, Liverpool legend Gary Neville very much a Manchester United legend so they've picked two players that that represented their clubs of course with great distinction and and the two of those boys had the debate and listen let's put it out there, the five that they came up with and I think there's various criteria, it's a bit like our infamous GOAT show, you've got you need criteria in order to make a real good fist of this and a real good discussion of this and they looked at various things in terms of the cost your impact, your longevity so the five, didn't actually name them in any particular order, the five they put forward, Jamie Vardy £1 million I think he was from Fleetwood Town who, uh, remember he came from non-league for goodness sake, now leading the line for Leicester, the scourge of many a Premier League defence when Leicester won the title. So he was in there. Alan Shearer, you go back to 1992, yep. 3.6 million, which was then a record, I believe, yep. that Blackburn paid to have 34 goals he scored the season that they won the Premier League title. He scored even more the next season, but they didn't finish didn't so win, well. Didn't win it. 34 in that 94-95 season that Blackburn were crowned champions. The other, Eric Cantona, Galvanising figure, the catalyst, if you will, for that new Luke Man United. That was 1992 as well. And then the kind of older ones Thierry Henry, 1999, 10.5 million Arsenal paid Juventus to bring the Frenchman to the football club. And of course, we know that he went on to become Arsenal's all time leading goalscorer, Premier League titles, part of that invincible side. And then lastly, Vincent. Company six point seven million. He was signed from Hamburg over in Germany. Would go on to become the talismanic skipper of Man City and won four Premier League titles. That's the five mm. that they put forward after much debate. And I just wonder on four zero zero one whether you agree with said list or not. And Nabil's been in touch to say Henri, Cantona, Rooney, Suarez, and Van Dijk in that order. I mean, Van Dijk was seventy million quid, Nabil. I mean, if you're looking for I think Hold there's, got, there's got to be an
1: element of bargain about it because the whole point of a great signing is not just throwing money at the problem. It you isn't. Know, but then Ronaldo, it's what he's buying done. Ronaldo, Real Madrid bought him for eighty million, and he did brilliantly.
0: Yeah, he's worth it.
1: Yeah, he's worth it. But is he a great signing? You kind yes. of know. What, you tr- get my
0: point, though. No, but the, you, the
1: great but you signing you was Man point. United
0: buying him from Sporting Lisbon no, for twelve point seven. But you get my point. Ronaldo, the most followed man on social media, yeah, 80 I, million. Of course I do. They got the money back for that. Yeah, he helped to win four But he's European not making Cups. any
1: best ever signings lists for Real Madrid. He is
0: for Man United. Well, that's, that's my point, because I, I, I
1: think... Ultimately disagree.
0: No, no. Eight million quid's no, a drop in the ocean, Rob. He's, well, then, well then all, Van Dyke is a great signing. Yeah, but it's one season, and he's won one Premier League. He's won a Premier League title.
1: My point is Champions that a, a huge part of this list, a huge component, is plucking them from relative obscurity. Not... They don't have to be unknown, but there's got to be an element of a bargain. There's got to be a, an element of seeing value in a
0: player that others don't see, and and being you know having the gumption. Point. Because otherwise, you know. Th- but then, but then you can have a CV like Ronaldo, in which you're just like, wow, he became the club's all-time leading goal scorer. He won four Champions Leagues. He won umpteen La Ligas. Here's then, a question for point, you: Has he been a great signing for Juventus? Hmm, he's been a good signing. <laughs> for Juventus, because, because well, there's nothing changed. They were winning. They were winning Serie A titles. they were winning yeah. Scudetto to
1: Real Madrid, getting his best years and selling him for what they paid yeah. for him. Unbelievable! That's an incredible piece of business.
0: That's, that's incredible praise towards Ronaldo. That, despite the fact he was aging, he was still deemed, you know, that that level of cost for a thirty. What was he? Thirty three. Mm. When Juventus shelled out all that money for him, that's testament to him more than anything else. But anyway, Ronaldo's not the argument here. It's Premier League's best.
1: Yeah, and I think you've got to have Ronaldo in there. You have to. Six seasons at Old Trafford, became the second best player in the world, if not the man. best. The year that, um, that Man United won the Champions League in 2008, you could argue that Ronaldo was the best player on the planet at that time. Yeah. So they turned him into the best player, just as Lionel Messi was emerging. And he was £12.2 million from Sporting Lisbon. I mean, come on. And you sold him for 80. He's in in any top five. How did they Uh, not pick him in the top five? I must admit,
0: I I would... Yeah, you made an enormous profit on him. You know the one that I have a real bee in my bonnet, and I actually have more of a bee in my bonnet for this fella than Cristiano Ronaldo not making the list, is Frank Lampard. 11 million quid Chelsea bought Frank Lampard for. He went on to win titles with Mourinho, was a vital cog in that side, was a vital cog in the Angelotti side. And he won the Champions League. He won cups galore, Europa League, Warafa Benitez, FA Cups, League Cups. He was 11 million quid. And not only that, he went on to become Chelsea's all-time leading goal scorer from midfield. 11 million, he's not made that top five. I I don't get it. Listen, uh, Vincent Company, as good as he is, I personally believe, and a lot of people might disagree with this, I, I think City would have had their success had Vincent Company been there or not.
1: Um, not
0: not so sure about that I think they would have he, he was wasn't injured sure for about half that. the time
1: he was injured I mean he pretty much he was he was a critical in getting them over the line against Liverpool that season that goal he scored from yeah. twenty five yards like come
0: cracking on goal. cracking goal yeah, but, but he was he are was, you, was are you telling me that Vincent Company was more important than frank Lampard um I'd say he was almost as important. So who drops out of the top five? So you're just footballs? basing that on goals. I'm basing it on no, titles as well, longevity. Frank yeah, Lampard Vincent Kompany won four. And Frank Lampard won three with Mourinho, fourth with Angelotti. Okay, so they both won four. But obviously Lampard had a Europa League, a Champions League, and umpteen FA Cups. I'll get their exact list, but he won the Champions League and I know for a fact that Vincent Kompany didn't do that. I think you've, had, you've, you've
1: got to have a defender in the top five.
0: Why? You do,
1: because you defenders always get discriminated against. Let's go Nemanja They, just, they do. Players of the year. Defenders don't ever really get the credit. Let's go Dennis Irwin, if we're going any blooming defender. But yeah, looking at I, Frank, I'd actually throw Sergio Aguero's name in there. Why not? He is, he is just relentlessly underappreciated, that guy. Five. He really five. He's never won PFA Player of the Year. He was signed from Atletico Madrid for about £27 million, which looks like a heck of a bargain right now.
0: Hmm. To be fair.
1: Given what he's done for the club,
0: honestly, he doesn't appear in enough of these lists. Frank actually only won three Premier League titles. You forget, he kind of left before Jose came back for the second spell. So three league titles, four FA Cups, a couple of league Cups, crucially the Champions League and the Europa League. And he was was Chelsea's all-time leading goal scorer. Paul has been in touch. Thank you for your message, Paul. Uh, His best five,
1: if money comes into it, he says it does get a bit complicated, but best five, Cantona, Salah, De Bruyne, Van Nistelrooy
0: and Henri. Yeah, I think a bit misty-eyed there, Paul, on Van the Man, as much as I loved Van Nistelrooy. Oh, come on. uh, He didn't... He was in that little weird spell where Man United were a bit in transition. Remember Verón? They won it in 04. I think he actually only walked away with one Premier League title in Man United. He won the FA Cup against Millwall, didn't he? And then I think there was a League Cup in which he was on the bench against Wigan. If that, And that's just weird knowledge if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. But Ruud van Nistelrooy's CV at Man United, full of goals, did not translate to success. And I think it's one of those ones that... Remember, he was the one falling out with Ronaldo at the end of his tenure, and that's why he was left on the bench in the League Cup. Fard has popped a very rascal choice in for his last one. He says, in no
1: particular order, Thierry Henry, Aguero, Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, and then Raul Jimenez.
0: Oh, come
1: on, Fard. Raul Jimenez was 30 million The, the most outrageous in terms of value for money has got to be Vardy.
0: A million quid was
1: a modern, a modern-day million quid signing as well, mm. and then a player that essentially helped you win a league title as Leicester yeah, City. Uh, yeah, it's astonishing. I mean, it's he's probably the number one.
0: Mm. Peter Schmeichel, Sol Campbell, Czech,
1: <laughs> Van der
0: Sar. Sol Campbell's a great shout. He's a Bosman for Arsenal. Remember, still remember that back in the day. Rob and was, How much did he move to Spurs for? It was he came through at Spurs. Of course he did, yeah. yeah. Spurs was his home. That's why he was called everything under the sun. When I still remember it. the days, and I've said this numerous times on the show, the days before social media, at home, lunchtime from school, Arsenal to announce a new signing, Arsene Wenger walked through the door into the press conference room like a cat that got the cream, and then audible gasps from the amassed media when Saul Campbell strolled out to move from Spurs to Arsenal on a Bosman he would be up there that's a great shout an actual fact from one of our listeners Peter Schmeichel I think £505,000 all the way back when Brom beat Man United well that is a great signing isn't it? right up there if you're saying Jamie Vardy a million quid I'll see your million quid and I'll raise you big Schmeichel for 500000 which at the time it's all relatively Nemanja Vidic yeah he was 7000000 from Spartak Moscow the good thing about that Man United beat Fiorentina more importantly they beat Liverpool to his signing, had a rough six months him and Patrice when they joined. They both joined in the January, and then Nemanja just went on to become an absolute man mountain for Man United. I've got a soft spot for Nemanja. He would always be the defender that I would go to because, aside from Torres, and he takes real umbrage to the notion that Torres give him the runaround. He was he was colossal for Man United. Was yeah,
1: we're all entitled to a couple of bad games. <laughs>
0: he had a few. Against Fernando Torres. Two, um, I think. Fernando Torres, running merry dance at Anfield, and then, yeah, was sent off in the 4-1 defeat in 09. I think he brought him down on the edge of the box. Yeah, you see these
1: a, myths, they come up. and
0: Yeah, he, he, I, had, I did an event with him here, and I brought that up. He did not take too kindly to that. Gave him the death stare. Lovely guy, though. Loved the man, yeah. Lo- Really, genuinely lovely man. Uh, actually did, here's a funny little story, did his coaching badges with Graham Potter at Brighton. Or, or when Where Graham was at, at Ostershoons. spoke very, very eloquently about Graham, and, and yeah, just a, a real good guy in the man, yeah, and an absolute warrior on the pitch. Definitely.
2: This is extra time.
0: We'd love to hear from Indian fans. I'm sure
1: you are very much back in and being buoyed by the return to form, the dramatic turnarounds in this test well, series. Yeah, Not dramatic yeah. I mean, I, I kind of expected it as
0: well. You say dramatic turnaround. I think quite clearly, win the toss. And you've got a massive advantage on that pitch down in Chennai. And it's interesting to see Michael Vaughan and Shane Warren, they've engaged in a little bit of uh, verbal warfare on Twitter. And, and Shane Warren saying, you know, Michael Vaughan's up in arms about the state of the pitch, that it's not fit for test cricket. And Shane Warren saying, well, hold on a, a minute, my light." In the day, your boys haven't performed well. I didn't hear you complaining when it was the same pitch for the first test, and, and Michael Vaughan's coming back to say, "Well, it took two days for the pitch to, to wear a bit thin," whereas it was spinning on, you know, the first ball on day one. It's the same pitch for both. I, I do ultimately think the toss it does it does give you a I, massive I, advantage. There's I no do doubt wish about
1: that. that a coin toss didn't have such a bearing on a sporting contest. I mean,
0: that's the ultimate lottery, isn't it? It is. and I don't know what the answer is. There are some that say, for example, this is a four-match test series. India pick twice, and England pick twice. Does, you've, I, how have I not thought of that before? <laughs> really? Oh my God! You're yeah, at absolutely. Me as if I've just yeah. solved world poverty or something. But. No,
1: but that's probably the bet. That's the smartest thing i think i've yeah. ever heard you say thank you bob i will take that <laughs> as the compliment that it was meant to be but of course
0: it falls down Honestly, when though.
1: there are of course an- it is in a four match series yeah, what happens in a five match well, series this is
0: it or a three that's where the problems
1: lie maybe they do a super o- over <laughs> to determine they get they both get two each and then they do a super over to determine yeah but who bowls who gets first in the super
0: over you <laughs> bat first they, the they bat. toss a coin for that <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it is Ellison there will be those that say Ellison it's been part of the, the fabric yeah, of, of Test cricket I get for that long time.
1: No, I, obviously no, no one's railing against the, the tradition but it remains to be said that uh, a coin toss should not have such a distinct bearing on the outcome of a match oh, you,
0: not, not so long ago a coin toss was deciding European Cups in football for goodness sake Semi-finals, drawing, coin toss, Billy McNeil, Celtic, back in 1968. Toss of a coin, I think it was against, was it, Benfica in the semi-finals. You win. Okay, we're through to the final.
1: Look, is it fair to say that India have just been coin toss or no coin toss by far the superior side in this particular contest? Listen, they have have
0: gone out there. Their
1: pride will have been hurt by the defeat
0: in the first test. They have batted supremely well. Rohit Sharma, obviously the head and shoulders above the rest, Uh, Rishabh Pant as well, and then they've bowled exceptionally. It is a spinner's paradise, and Ravi Ashwin, the off-spinner there, a man that we've spoken to, a lovely fella. Is Ravi? He's gone out there and, he, and he's produced the goods. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm sure some stern words behind the scenes would have been said. 227 run defeat in that first test that mm. just does not happen to a proud cricketing nation like India. And they've come out and their batters have performed. Their bowlers have done just that. England have wilted a little bit. And then you know Ber-
1: Burns and Sibley. We were praising them in the first test, and they didn't deliver in the slightest. Sibley made 16. Burns out for a duck as openers. And then obviously with Joe Root making a double century in the first test. He only made six runs in the first innings of this. It was just again, it was it was one of those pitches
0: where it looked like every run was proving difficult for England to score. Exactly. You look at India though, 329. That's a competitive score, and England just struggled. As you say, I think Ben Folks, the only one that offered any sort of resistance, with his 42. Joe Root not at the races. What did Ben Stokes score? 18. 18. I think it was 18 from Ben Stokes. So, so England have just not been in it. They're 249 runs behind. uh, India have nine wickets. I mean, this game... Game over.
1: Yeah. Game over. You've got to see. After just two days, absolute game over. Yeah, I think if India... There's no no way out of this. India will put on another couple of hundred probably and then they'll have, at their leisure, will be able to have probably a couple of days at skittling England out and levelling up the series. And it would be just nice if the third match is a really competitive effort. Be nice to see both teams play well. Because I feel like India played poorly in the first match and in England have not performed to their usual standards yeah, in this one.
0: You won't. But again, I think you've got to give credit to the opposition. You've got to give credit to India for putting pressure on England. You've got to put you know, you 've gotta give England credit for for the way that certainly Jimmy Anderson in that spell, there were moments and there have been some incredible moments of cricket skill. Joe Root and Jimmy Anderson from the first test certainly spring to mind. And then what Rohit Sharma has done with the bat and then what Ravi Ashwin has done with the ball thus far. So moments of genuine brilliance. Uh, I like to always praise the brilliance rather than abject performances. And it's going to be one apiece. We're all set up beautifully. Roll on the third test.
1: Yeah, India, 54 for one at the close of play today. Rohit, once again, accumulating runs in a very steady and patient manner. 25 scored off 76 minutes and 62 balls. So he's settling in nicely for another big innings, is Rohit Sharma. Gill is the man out. Shubman Gill fell uh, for 14 runs. LBW bowled by Leach and it's Pujara alongside Rohit now at the crease. And India will be looking to rack up a big total in that second innings, and probably not hang about in doing so.
2: This is extra time.
1: Well, I have not not got a clue what's going on here because (laughs) you've got a mystery guest for us, and something to do with golf. And you've told me
0: not to look into it, so Uh, I'm going in blind. I've done just that. I said at the top of the show, it's a bit of an odd one this, but I was having a conversation with our next guest yesterday, and he happened to mention your name, Robert. Asked how you were getting on on the old golfing front, and I said, oh, listen, Rob's doing all right, he's, uh, he's not played in a while, and he said, well, listen, the key to a golf swing, and he had the data to back this uh, back this up, uh, the key to a good golf swing, apparently, is your teeth. Were you aware of this? No, that is the last place I would look, I would think about all exactly. sorts of stuff. Well, it got me thinking, did a bit of research, went away, had a little look, and it turns out that more and more sportsmen, when you think gum shields, you think, what sports? What's the, the the sports rugby? Because I always used to play one, yeah, wear one for rugby. And the obvious other one, a mouth guard is boxing. Exactly. Turns out, there's a lot more sportsmen and women wearing what looks like gum shields the next guest will tell me it's not and you're now playing around with your teeth thinking hmm interesting I'm seeing it in football I'm seeing tennis players and I just wondered I just thought listen I don't know maybe they grind their teeth or something no there's proper science behind this but I'm going to tell you I say I will tell you our next guest will tell you why your teeth may be the secret behind a good golf swing it's a man who we normally have on talking all things Newcastle United he's on to talk about the day job this evening it is Neil Mitchell we we'll say a very good evening to you Neil
2: Evening, Chris, how are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, very well. Thank you for joining us. And Rob's now, he's going to be visiting you yeah. tomorrow after this because, what well, you've got the layman's terms. How on earth is Rob's teeth linked with a good golf swing?
2: Well, they've been doing a lot of research um, in some sports into these things that we call Mora appliances. Uh, it's an acronym for Mandibular Orthopaedic Repositioning Appliance. And it, <laughs> I'm it lost basically already. Looks, here. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a mouth guard, basically. And what it does is it gives you a perfectly balanced bite. And they've done a lot of research looking at um, effectively how your core. Of your body works From from the jaw All the way down To your pelvis now, um,
0: We were talking about this hmm. And I'm right in saying that Golfers are actually Turning to this Hunter Mahan There's a blast From the yeah. past He was <laughs> one of those And you were telling He's the me He's boy for it Is he Well you were telling me Neil That it was actually about, The USPGA thought That this was an unfair advantage They actually banned this
2: Yeah they banned them For uh, I think Three or four years um, Because there was a There was a Korean study That looked at The um, Club head speed and driving distance, and it showed you that if you were wearing a properly adjusted Morris appliance, yeah, your club head speed and your driving distance both increased.
1: what uh-huh. cool. okay, right. Can we get the breakdown as to why that happens? Alignment, you know, right? But, but, are there's, we talking? Are we talking weight transfer here? Are we talking centrifugal force? Oh, so what, oh Rob, what's going on here, but, Neil?
2: You're just talking perfect balance. Yeah. And, and there's another study looking at um, tennis players and golfers. Um, that if you're wearing a Mora appliance, it gives you more power to your shoulder and actually also gives you a, a stronger forearm grip.
1: Are you free tomorrow? So, <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: But they're popping up in lots of different sports now as well.
0: Well, I was doing, French, a, bit of, with, yeah, I was doing a bit of research mm. on this, Neil, and I noticed that Lionel Messi... In actual fact for a spell now it's, it's it's one of those ones where the scientists will say it helps I guess it's each to their own some people like to be comfortable I know when we were talking about this earlier Tom and I I'm not a big one for a gum shield I've been told that I grind my mm. teeth I need to wear a mouth guard in the evenings but it's just I don't like it I don't like the sensation but for a lot mm. of sportsmen and women it comes back to an oft used phrase on this show Sir Dave Brailsford uh, head of Team Ineos when it comes to the world of cycling marginal gains Neil and a lot of these Athletes are looking for those marginal gains.
2: Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, you had James on earlier, and he's talking about, well, I need to hit this time to qualify for the team. So you make him a thousandth of a second quicker, he will qualify for the team. If you make me a thousandth of a second quicker, (laughs) I'll still miss the bus (laughs) if I'm running for it, you know. Um, So what you're saying is, is to, to
1: use that parlance, Neil, if you make me slightly better at golf with fitting this gum shield, I'll still not shoot 72.
2: Well, i tell you what though, <laughs> th- th- there, is, there is some evidence that these appliances also, because they stop you from actually clenching your teeth together, the process of clenching your teeth together produces more stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And therefore, on the golf course, you're less likely to shank the shot. You're more likely to make a better decision and not have a Paul Van Der Velde moment and climb into the water and it's try like, and hit a shot. Can I just say, you know, it,
1: Shank is a dirty word. Neil, never <laughs> utter that word. Well, live on off script again, please. <laughs> I can have nightmares now. I'm playing tomorrow.
2: But, well, I'll give you. I'll give you another dirty word as well. Some of these players who get the yips oh, and stop practicing oh. with them in because it stops you from pulling. You know, it, it stops stops those hormones that induce those kind of false shots.
0: Wow. Wow. And these are banned from the PGA Tour? They, they were banned. I'm right yeah. in saying, Neil, they have since, though more studies have been uh, done. They're now allowed, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's one particular um, sportswear manufacturer has chucked a lot of money into the research and have their own brand of these appliances. Um, and that's how that popped up in a lot of other sports as well, because obviously the sponsorship opportunities are there for, for players. Of course people
1: are. People are concurring with you on the text lines, Neil. I'm not sure whether this is someone you've no. planted to send in a message to <laughs> corroborate your theory. But, but Colin Cameron, but, apparently ex Hearts player, had pelvic problems and solved it with getting his jaw aligned.
2: Yeah, well, look, there's all sorts going on in sports dentistry at the moment. And if you look at, um, I don't know if you remember what Arsene Wenger used to send players to go and have their wisdom teeth taken out.
0: Yes, yeah, me- funnily enough, yeah. Neil, someone has messaged in about wisdom teeth. So you're yeah. telling me wisdom teeth will affect your sporting performance?
2: Well, we're not sure what the mechanism is, but I've got a good colleague, Tanos, who is a sports dentist in Greece, and he works with the three of the Greek Super League teams. And he's been working with the physios and they've, they've come up with data that suggests that players with impacted wisdom teeth are um, something like 20% more likely to do a hamstring. Wow.
1: That is crazy. That and, is... And, and,
2: and all this data, and it's all about data, you know, again, you had James on talking about Olympics. If you look at the data that came out, the London 2012 Olympics, a fifth of the athletes reported problems with their oral health that imp- impacted on their training and performance. And and, and, and and now the data says with the league group athletes if you make them orally healthy their performance improves and it's a metric for performance that is some of it's mind blowing because what, what we're trying to work out now is how what are the mechanisms going on here
0: yeah because you've got because to work you've got to work backwards in a lot of respects saying that yeah. as a general sweeping statement one in five you've got to then work out actually what does the science say where are the areas that will actually well, impact the, the,
2: the thing is, like, like I said, you know, you're know, you talking about these incremental gains with a group of thoroughbreds. Yeah. Who, you know, the difference, I get the mick taken out of me by my mates, but the difference between John Joe Shelby and Lionel Messi is probably less than 1%. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a heck of a big 1%, <laughs> but, Neil.
2: Well, absolutely, though, and that's what it is. We're only 2% different to, to no, chimpanzees no, genetically, no, so, no, you know. Neil, no, no no no. Um, no,
1: no, no. It's a lot more than 1%. If you watch those two individuals on a football field, there's a good 40% difference between them. I'm telling you that now. I'm telling you that. Listen, we're out of time though. How can people, amateur enthusiasts in the world of sport, how can they benefit from, and this is an opportunity for a huge free plug, for Neil Mitchell, dentistry. absolutely.
2: Come and have, come and have a chat with me at Dentist Direct in Tegom. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jordy Dentist. Just <laughs> don't expect don't expect much sense of it out of me on match no, days. I was going to uh, say there's
0: not much in the way of dentistry up on that social media of yours. It's Newcastle United and then some up on there. But you're a heck of a right. follow on uh, Twitter and across social media as well, Neil. I'm just amazed, and Robbie's going to be visiting. I'm just amazed that a good golf swing may just be. Well, all the way back to your teeth amazing Rob. stuff listen Neil Absolutely. thank you so much
2: for joining us no bother at all lovely to speak to you guys
0: Neil Mitchell brilliant stuff he the told me that yesterday dentist. he told me that yesterday Rob and I was aghast at that and I was like to myself I need to get you on yeah, because
1: I'm, I'm still confused but I'm keen it's all
0: about, yeah, it's about balance mate and Colin Cameron that's amazing a pelvic problem that was solved with getting his jaw aligned the body's a blooming, crazy stuff it is crazy <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast. With
0: myself, Chris McCarty, and Robbie Greenfield.
1: If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.